For our first message today, we have a split sermon from Mr. Kent Barton entitled, The Important Role of Christ's Bride. Mr. Barton. First off, I want to thank whoever, I'm going to guess Brian, put these lights in. Am I correct, Rick? Brian, did you put these in? Matt. Well, he's not here. Thank you, Matt. Maybe you're looking in. I've been thinking about this for a while and couldn't figure out where to get these. Not in a user-friendly use like this. Configuration. It's neat. If you ladies, if you get tired of not having a light shine in, you know, I can always do this. <laughs> you don't need that, do you? No, okay. So the important roles of Christ bride. This is not going to go exactly where you guys think it will, but... I'll tell you what, you guys are going to get tired of hearing about how wonderful the Bible Correspondence Course lessons are if you keep letting me speak, because I'm learning lots of stuff, which can be good or scary, or both. But I am learning a lot, coming to understand some things more clearly, and number one thing is that I need to keep learning. For instance, what begotten means and what born again means as well as what it doesn't mean. I'm working on a message about this, as I feel this needs to be explained further to some folks. Not necessarily us, but there's a lot of folks that have a different understanding of that. The excellent message that Matthew Steele delivered last Sabbath, thanks again, man, begging to be born has encouraged me to keep working on it. As you may know, I am closing in on surpassing my time in mainstream Christianity with my time of learning more than ever what God actually says in his word and how to actually start going by that. I thank the Lord God that he stayed with me and kept speaking to my heart, drawing me to him in spite of me. So back to Christ's bride. Why am I interested in her and where am I going here? Because I believe that we should all be interested in her since that's who we are going to be. Say, what? Wait a minute here. I'm just imagining those statements jumped into some heads. But isn't that what God's word says? Are we not part of God's church? Revelation 19.6, talking about the marriage supper of the Lamb. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude as the sound of many waters and as the sound of mighty thundering saying Alleluia for the Lord God omnipotent reigns let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready and to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen clean and bright for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints then he said to me right blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. 
And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. So let's discuss the roles of a bride. What would you say that entails? I found this on beautyforashes.com. Ten characteristics of a great wife and mother. I liked it. I really liked what the woman said about Proverbs 31. And she said, I'm not sure about you, but when I read Proverbs 31, I am utterly intimidated by this woman. She is no ordinary woman. This is a superwoman on steroids. I pretty much agree with her. She selects, selects wool and flax, and this lady doesn't even know what flax looks like. I don't either. And she is compared to a merchant ship. Again, this lady isn't sure she'd care to be compared to any kind of ship. She gets up while it is night. And she says, I like to sleep at night. I kind of agree with her on that. <clears throat> That's when I love to sleep, she said. And she says, she loves the snow. And goes on to say, I'm never going to love the snow. I tolerate the snow, but I'm not going to love it. She makes linen. This lady, who by the way is named Carol Alexander, she says, I buy my clothes ready-made at stores. So she's a very impressive woman in her own way. Fits the criteria if you want to look it up. She's, she's impressive. So the woman who fears the Lord, uh, Proverbs 31, 10. Who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. She is like the merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. And that's not a fire sale, Lord. She also rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maidservants. She considers a field and buys it. From her profits, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good and her lamp does not go out by night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff, and her hand holds the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household is clothed with scarlet. I wouldn't necessarily call this loving snow. She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them, supplies sashes for the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Smart man. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is passing. 
but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gate. Now what I'm thinking about in the duties of the bride is more afterward. You know, after the wedding ceremony, after the honeymoon, after the year that the bride and groom got to spend with each other before they had to go back to the real world. I think that's a great way for a couple to start their lives together, and too bad it wasn't continued, don't you think? Perhaps it'll be reinstated in the millennium, because in the new world, we're not going to need that. Anyway, what a wonderful way to give a new couple a great start at becoming one. I also know we are not yet his bride. But with that future in mind, I want to explore what our actions should perhaps be. So continuing on the theme of what Matthew was talking about and his message about the baby forming in the womb and how wonderful it is for that baby or those babies if they're multiples in that safe, nurturing, warm environment. And what is the goal of that nurture? A successful birth, right? A new life that will grow and mature and be fruitful. So how does the church fit in here? Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Who might these children be other than our actual children in this context that I'm talking about? How about members of our churches, the believers, the begotten children of God? Because that's who we are, aren't we? 2 Corinthians 1, 21 and 22. Now he establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us He who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God, who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. That Spirit in our hearts. That's the begotten. So, Acts 2, 38 and 39. Then Peter said to them, Repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. There are over 11 verses in the Bible about rejoicing over repentant sinners or about people rejoicing over their own salvation. I think that's a good idea. I think we ought to do that every so often. Just think back on how far God has brought us through how many difficulties saved us from how many traps that Satan has set. Just keeps right on loving us through it. So people that realize God is truly hungering for our successful conversion to becoming his born-again children. Luke 15, 4 
says, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And in verse 7, he says, I say to you, likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. When a sinner repents, what does that mean? What is the result of that? It means there's one more citizen in God's kingdom, doesn't it? Because that's how I'm beginning to look at the result of a child of God falling away. Because he tells you, you know, You've been doing great, and then you start sinning, and you die. You die a sinner. If you've been doing horribly, sinning, and you repent and turn to me, and you die, you die my child. Major difference there. He or she that's ailing is getting sick and having difficulty surviving in God needs turn back to God. needs to seek him. We're having problems. He's there. How would a loving parent react when their child is sick or lost? 2 Peter 3.9 tells us, the Lord is not slack concerning his, concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So he knows we're going to have problems. And he wants to give us enough time to turn back. Or there's the woman's lost coin where she cleans everything out, keeps looking until she finds this coin. Luke 15, 10, likewise I say to you, because she, when she finds it, she calls all of everybody and has a party of, of Celebration, and he says, and Luke says, I say to you, there, or Jesus actually said this, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. But there are times when a parent can't rescue a child, but must let that child realize its condition all on his own. The prodigal son and Verse 32, chapter 15 of Luke. And the father is explaining to the other son why they're having a party. He says, it was right that we should make merry and be glad. For your brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. What I'm saying is that we, as God's church, also known as Christ's bride, have responsibility that we need to be mindful of, of looking out for and raising our children in a way that they make it through this preparation time. And I'm talking about the church's children, which is us of looking for ways of raising them up as they should go so that they arrive in the end as children of God. 
It's not an easy job, but it is a definitely necessary one. We should be mindful of our own status as good children, looking for ways to serve him and grow while we help others grow as well. There are a lot of things that people need to learn in order to properly serve God. And some of the things uh, we have learned, like don't go celebrate Jesus' birthday on the sun god's birthday. He don't like that. I ex explain that in some... If, if, this, if you don't like this analogy, sorry, but it works for me really well. Say that, that you've got a girlfriend. So this is, we're playing like we're not married right now, okay? Got to get that straight. And you're telling her how much you love her. Or you can say your wife or your husband. I love you so much. And I want to show you how much. So I want to celebrate your birthday really big. Okay? And that person that I used to date before I dated you, I'm going to celebrate it on that one's birthday. So I can show you how much I really love you. And I'll come to the hospital and visit you while you recuperate. <clears throat> so we, we, need, we need to help people realize things. As God's family grows, new ones coming up who haven't been this way yet need to be taught. And we've been coming here since 1999. Yeah, scary, isn't it? And... Uh, We've learned a lot. Our first Feast of Tabernacles that we encountered, we came to church, and Jeanette McMurray was the only person we knew. There was a whole lot of people here we'd never seen before. Where'd everybody go? Well, they're at the feast. The what? So anyway, some people... don't know about things like that. <clears throat> don't know about any of God's holy days sometimes when they first get here. They have figured out that there's something about this Saturday thing. So they start looking and they come here. So we need to welcome them in and start feeding them in love. Foremost, people can be overwhelmed when they're just first searching things out. Some of this stuff doesn't make sense. You know, uh, we've hit Stephen up with a few questions when we were first here. So, how many times do we use this three times in a year thing to take up an offering? Seemed like we're doing it more than three times. And he said, Well, no. Sometimes people want to give it the first of it. Sometimes want to give it the last of it. Sometimes they're not able to it then, and we remind them that, you know. So there's, there's things people don't know. And it's, when you get, start getting overwhelmed, 
it's easy to be led astray. If you're not sure what's going on, somebody can tell you stuff and, and you may consider it, even though it's not right. And if we already know it, it doesn't hurt to be reminded of it. I have my scuba diving open water certification. Haven't been in several years. But whenever I would go on a dive, the dive master, that's the guy that's in charge of the whole thing and responsible for your lives while you're out there in a hostile environment. The ones that I went to would spend time to make sure that everybody knew the basics, how to clear your mask, something goes wrong, what to do. If you run out, if your air stops all of a sudden, what to do, how to do it. And we and have people demonstrate it. I read an article by a guy that was very good at it, had been, uh, had, had, had his bona fides, as you might say, been teaching people to dive. And he's in this class or in this dive, not as the lead diver. And two other guys knew who he was, and they said, how come you're putting up with doing this garbage? We know all this. And he said, maybe you do, maybe you don't. You get rusty on stuff. And when it's an emergency, it's not a good time to be rusty. So, you know, as we go over these things, just be reminded. I believe, Stephen, in every year that in, in the uh, Old Testament church, they went over the first five books every year. Probably a good thing. Good foundation. So that's, that's my thing about our role as the church. Love the children, love ourselves, love God, serve him, try to help others on this road because the main thing that we want for a baby is for it to be born.